Bless you. Good to see you all. I have a word for you this morning. It comes from Psalm chapter 90, verse 1. Psalm chapter 90, verse 1. The scripture says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Dwelling place is just a fancy way of saying home. Lord, you've been our home in all generations. You've always been our home. And then John 14, 23, Jesus says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. We, if you love me, you'll keep my word and my father will also love you and we will come to you and make our home with him. So Psalm chapter 90, God, uh, the psalmist says, God, you've been our home. And then John 14, 23, Jesus says, you're about to become my home. God says to us, you're my home. And we say to God, you're our home. This is the Bible in a nutshell. God making his home with us and we making our home with God. The title of my sermon this morning is On My Way Home. Father, I pray to you this morning that you'd speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit. I know you have many wayward sons and daughters to call home. Open our hearts to your word this morning and let the pilgrimage begin. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife shared with you at the end of worship about some of our home woes. And in actuality, our home woes go way back. We just celebrated 23 years of marriage last month. And in those 20, amen. And in those 23 years, we've lived in some 11 homes. And there's this longing in us to find our home home. You know what I'm talking about? You're forever home. And it's been a 23-year journey to find home. And we thought we found it when we moved into, at least I thought we found it. And I fought for it for a little while. And my wife, my wife started saying pretty quickly, yeah, we need, to, we need to move up out of this place. I was like, no. God gave us this place. And $150,000 later, I'm like, yeah, maybe we need to... You know, maybe we need to consider that this is not our forever home. And that sense of displacement that we've experienced again and again and again, it's like the song that never ends. And every time I think it's over, it turns around and starts again. Two of the times that we were displaced We ended up going to live with family members for a short period of time. We lived with her brother for a few weeks, more like six weeks, something like that. We lived with my parents for a few months on two occasions. Nothing worse as a man, as a husband, than to feel that you can't even provide a home for your family. Nothing more demoralizing 
than to feel like you can't even provide a home for your wife and children. And I've really been struggling over the last couple of months as my wife and I have been talking about the prospect of once again putting this home on the market, selling it, and moving on. Again? Just my heart has been saying, Lord, again? When are we going to find it? When are we going to get situated? When are we going to get settled? When are we going to find the place that we could say, this is it? This is the place. My parents bought their house in 1996. They ain't going nowhere. (laughs) And there's something about that place, that house. It's not the nicest house in the world, but that's not the point. It's home. And whenever I go back there, I know that when I walk in the door, I'm walking into home. My heart knows that place. And there's, what I feel when I walk in that place goes back to 1996 when we first moved into that place. And I remember telling my parents, I'm telling my wife, I want that for our daughter. I want a home that she could come back to. But then the more I thought about it, because I thought, you know, my daughter's 14 years old now and we don't have that. But then I thought, when my parents moved into this place in 1996, I was already 21 years old. But yet, I still have that with this place. Then I thought, okay, it's not too late. We still got seven years. (laughs) But what the Lord started to speak to my heart is that that sense of displacement is His doing. That sense of displacement, that sense of estrangement is a part of his plan. That sense of estrangement, that sense of displacement is a key ingredient in the recipe of our walk with him and of our journey towards our destiny in him. That that sense of displacement is actually a gift and not a curse. That there's something about that sense of estrangement and that sense of displacement that is absolutely necessary to prod us toward the home that he has called us to find in him. This whole theme of searching for home is all the way through the Bible. Leaving home and searching for home. It's a theme that starts at the very beginning of the story when Adam and Eve are put out of Eden. They had to leave home. And then God speaks to Abram and says, get out of your father's house and go to the place I'll show you. He had to leave home. In order to follow the Lord, he had to leave home. He had to experience that sense of estrangement from home. And then God took him to a place that he didn't know and says, this is home. The land of Canaan, this is home. He thought he was home, but God said, no, I'm leading you to a home that you didn't know. And then in his disobedience, he leaves home and goes to Egypt. And then God has to miraculously bring him back to home, the home that he lived in as an alien and as a stranger, even though it was the land promised to him. And then Jacob has to leave home, fleeing the wrath of his brother Esau. He goes back to Ur of the Chaldees, back to the place that God brought Abraham out of. 
And then God had to lead Jacob back home. And it was a period of some 14 or or 17 years. I can't remember how, how long it was that he was estranged from home. And then God said, now it's safe to come back home. And then Jacob has his 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph has to leave home because his brothers betray him and sell him as a slave. And he has to go off to Egypt. He's he's estranged from home. And then later, the entire family moves to Egypt because of the famine. They're estranged from home. But one day, they're going to go back home. And remember, the last thing Jacob says in Egypt before he dies is, don't leave my bones in this land. Whenever you come up out of this land, take my bones with you and take them back home. Take me back home. I'm longing to go back to the land that God swore on oath to give to my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and he swore this land to me. So don't leave my bones in this foreign land. Take me back home. But after hundreds of years, some 400 years, Israel had become at home in Egypt, and God raised up one Moses, and he lived in a sense of estrangement. He was too Jewish to be Egyptian, but he lived in the house of Egypt, and he was too Egyptian to be Jewish. So when he went to the house of Egypt, he was rejected and ostracized. You're not at home here. And when he came back to the Israelites, he was rejected and ostracized. You're not at home here. You see, sometimes you've got to be rejected and ostracized in the place that you think is home so that God can show you that he's got a home for you that's not what you think it is. God cannot take you to the home that he's prepared until he allows you to be ostracized in the place you think you're at home. And Moses has to leave his home in Egypt to dwell in the, in the wilderness for 40 years in this sense of estrangement. And he becomes a part of a foreign family, a strange family in the wilderness. But he builds home there. And he's at home there until God disrupts his sense of home after 40 years and says, I've heard the groanings of my people in, Israel, in Egypt. Now you're going to go back. You're going to leave home. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to leave home. And you're going to go back and stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And then the exodus happens, and all of Israel comes out of Egypt and into the wilderness. They're leaving the home that they had had for 400 years to pursue the home that God had prepared for them that they had never seen before. And what happens in the wilderness when they get hungry? They say, we remember when we used to sit around pots of meat and vegetables in Egypt. They forgot that they were slaves, but they remembered that they had pots of meat and vegetables, and they're longing to go back to their perceived home. They were at home in the place of bondage. They were at home in the place of slavery. You see, the problem with being anywhere too long that God has not called you to be is that you begin to be at home there. And then you start recreating that home. When God is trying to take you to a place of freedom, you start recreating bondage in the new place that God is taking you to because you are so at home in that place of bondage. And so God has to teach them how to be at home in the promised land. But there's this sense of alienation because even there in the promised land, The Philistines keep trying to drive them out of their home, and they're at war to stay, to keep their place in their home in the promised land. And then comes the Babylonian captivity, where the Babylonians come and carry them out of their home and take them to Babylon. And they're thinking, God's going to deliver us from this in about 45 minutes. We're going home. But the prophet Jeremiah rises up and speaks by the word of the Lord, and God says, you're not going home anytime soon. You're going to be here for 70 years. So build houses, plant vineyards, 
and pray for the peace of the land that you've been carried captive into. Because in the peace of that land, you'll find your peace. Do you hear what Jeremiah is saying? Build your home here. You're estranged from your home, but you've got to try to build a sense of home away from home. Do the best you can to make home, but don't get too comfortable because in 70 years you're coming out. And in that midst of that time there in Babylon, you had the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. And you had the stories of Daniel. Yeah. And what you find with these individuals is that they refused to become too much at home in the land of Babylon. There were a lot of Jews in the land of Babylon that became completely at home, accepted this new state, this new place as our home. This is it. We're going to give up on everything that we believed for before. This is it. We're going to find our home here. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood when everyone else bowed, and they said, no, this is not our home. We're not bowing to that thing. Our home is over there. We bow only before the Lord. You can throw us in the, in the fiery furnace. It doesn't matter. This is not our home. And Daniel began something that became a tradition in ancient Israel. You see, every morning, even though he lived in the palace, I could just see Daniel going through this process before the Lord of praying and saying, God, how do I make sure that I don't forget where I came from, that I don't forget who I am? How do I see to it that I don't become too much at home here in Babylon, in Babylon to the point that I become a Babylonian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Lord puts this ritual in his heart. Yeah. And every morning yeah. and every afternoon and every night, Daniel goes to the patio of his house, faces Jerusalem, lifts up his hands, and he prays. That is his act of pilgrimage. Three times a day, Daniel says, I'm going back home. I know God's put me here in, ba in Babylonia, but I don't live here. This, I'm a stranger and an alien here. I'm going to make sure I don't get too comfortable here. And how do I make sure I don't get too comfortable here? I am going to go back home in my heart. I'm going to go back home in my prayers. I'm going to face Jerusalem, which means I'm reminding myself before the Lord three times a day that this is not my home. That even though I've been brought to the palace and I've got all kinds of money and all kinds of prestige and responsibility and power and authority, and if I don't watch my heart, I'm going to become absorbed in this prestige and power and authority. You see, sometimes the most tantalizing thing the enemy can do is give you authority and money and wealth in Babylon. And that's what's happening to believers across the world. As soon as you get a little money in Babylon, you forget about Jerusalem. But Daniel says, I'm not going to forget where I came from before I sell out. I'm going to get the hell out. And he goes to his patio and faces Jerusalem and says, I remember where I'm from. I remember that I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is not my home. I'm from there. But I got to do it three times a day because otherwise I'll forget before lunch. Yeah. I'll become a Babylonian before lunch. Yeah. I can't wait till next Sunday. I've got to remember three times a day because I'll remember at lunch and I'll forget before dinner. So before I lay me down to sleep, I'm going to go back to my place of prayer and stretch out my hands toward Jerusalem. This is my pilgrimage. Otherwise, I'll forget who I am. There's this sense of estrangement 
that the entire body of Christ experienced during the pandemic. Churches across the world shut down. No more gathering. It was a sense of, it was our Babylonian captivity. And you know what happened at the end of the real Babylonian captivity? The 70 years had passed and God made a way for everyone to go back home. There were a lot of individuals, a lot of the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who had become so at home in Babylon that they stayed. They didn't go back to Jerusalem. They stayed. Why? Because they had become at home in Babylon. And this happened after the pandemic was over. There were a lot of believers who said, you know what? I'm not going back to church. I'm too used to just staying home. And there's a lot of children born during the pandemic to believers who those children to this day have never stepped foot inside a church. Because their parents in the midst of the, of the, of the pandemic forgot about home. And I fear that there's a generation of godless children that are being raised because in the midst of the pandemic, their parents forgot where they came from. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The story continues. Israel comes home from captivity and they begin to build the temple. 539, they come home from the Babylonian captivity, and it takes from 539 to 516 to rebuild the temple. And the second temple is rebuilt, and they dedicate it. And everyone is rejoicing. But as quickly as they got that done, something called the dispersion takes place, or the diaspora. Do you know what the diaspora is? It's where the Greeks came in and scattered a large percentage of their population all across the Greco-Roman world under Alexander the Great. And why did they do that? Alexander, whenever he came in and conquered a nation, he took more than 60% of the population, and he took the strongest and the brightest and the smartest and the best and scattered them across his kingdom. Why? So that no people group could ever rise up against him. The, the dispersion, the diaspora, the purpose of it was to weaken the people so that they could never fight for their own freedom again. And so now they're scattered throughout the entire Greco-Roman world. They're estranged from home. They're displaced. And so what are you going to do? And what did Israel do? They did two things. First, they translated the entire Torah, the, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, they translated it into Greek because they knew that within one generation there'd be children being born who did not speak Hebrew. So we're going to translate it into the common language so that for generations our children scattered throughout the world will be able to read it. The second thing they did was they created what's called the synagogue. And the synagogue was the Jewish place of worship outside of, of Israel. The synagogues were Greek-speaking places of Hebrew worship where they read from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. The third thing they did was they called for everyone around the world who believed in Yahweh to come home three times a year for the feasts of Israel, the pilgrimage. I know you live in a foreign land, but there's something called the pilgrimage where you got to come home. 
You're just going to come home for seven days for each of these feasts. It's a seven-day reminder three times a year of where you came from. Don't get so comfortable in the foreign land that you forget about the pilgrimage, that you forget to come home. Don't think of yourself as a citizen of that foreign land. You are citizens of the house of God. You're children of the dispersion, but don't forget who you are. Don't forget your God. Don't forget your homeland. And if you look at all three of the feasts of the Lord, the first feast was the feast of Passover. It was a commemoration of how God brought them out of Egypt. The second feast is the Feast of Pentecost. It was a commemoration of God meeting them at Mount Sinai and giving them the law. And the third feast was the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a commemoration of their 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Do you know what all three feasts do? Is they tell a story of what brought us here to this land and why this land is important. First, God brought us out of Egypt. We spend seven days remembering that. Then God spoke to us and revealed himself to us on Mount Sinai. We spent seven days remembering that. And then God led us through the wilderness for 40 years before bringing us into the promised land. We've spent seven years remembering that. So that every year, every generation has an opportunity to come home and learn the history of what brought us to where we are. So that we never forget in any generation who we are. So that even when we live out there, we don't forget where our home is. Then comes Jesus. And he experiences this whole theme of displacement as well. His parents have to leave Nazareth for the census. They have to leave home. And then Jesus is born away from home in Bethlehem. But the prophet had already foretold that he would be home in Bethlehem. He would be born in Bethlehem. So actually, he's born away from home, but it's the city of David, so it's actually home. See, this is the biblical theme. What you think is home is not home. That when God leads you away from home, he's actually leading you home. But then they have to flee Bethlehem and go to Egypt because Herod wants to kill him. So now he's displaced from that home. They're there for a couple of years. Then the angel comes and says, go back home because Herod is dead and the people who want to kill the child is dead. Now they come back to Nazareth. Then Jesus is 12 years old, and they have to leave home to go to Jerusalem for the feast. And what happens after they leave to go back to Nazareth? Jesus is not found in the company, and they have to leave the company and go back to Jerusalem and search for him. And where do they find him? In the temple. And they say, son, why did you do this to us? We were going back home, and he says, didn't you know that I'd have to be about my father's business? Translation, that ain't my home. This is my home. The house of God, this is my home. And then Jesus calls his 12 disciples, the church. He says, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He dies for the sins of the world. He rises from the dead on the third day and ascends into heaven. The disciples gather in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit comes. Peter preaches the Pentecost sermon, and 3,000 are added to the church that day. They're in Jerusalem. They're 3,000 strong. The church is born, and everything seems awesome. It's revival time. The Holy Spirit is falling. And what happens very quickly? Persecution. And what happens because of persecution? They're all scattered from Jerusalem. They're displaced again, and they have to go out into all the world, which is exactly what Jesus said at the end, right? 
Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You can't do that as long as you're huddled in safety in Jerusalem. Displacement is coming, but displacement is my plan and my purpose because if you stay here, nothing happens. But if you get displaced and sent out abroad, the whole world gets to hear the gospel. Then the Apostle Paul comes on the scene. He's talking to the church at Corinth. And he makes the same statement twice. He uses the word you. But the first time he uses the word you, it's plural. The second time he uses the word you, it's singular. First time he says, y'all. Second time he says, you. And the statement says, Do you not know that you, y'all, are the temple of the Holy Spirit? He says, see, you all have been so focused on finding your place, finding your home, trying to find a place where you feel comfortable, trying to find a place where you feel accepted, that you have been creating your own diaspora when God has brought you home already. But you've missed the point. Do you not know that y'all are God's home? That you've been seeking a home for yourself, not realizing that God created you to be a home for himself. Translation, do you not realize that you're not the only one who's longing for home, that the entire saga of creation and fall and redemption, that the entire story of the Bible is the story of God doing whatever is necessary to make his home in you. That the prophet Isaiah cries out in Isaiah 66, 1, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you would build for me? Not realizing that when God said that, his point was literally that he does not dwell in temples made with hands. That his home is not a building. His home is a people. And that what God is actually looking for is a people who would come together and say, God, we'll be your home. Come and make your home with us. Paul says, don't you all realize that in your coming together, in your assembling together, in your gathering together, in your worshiping together, in your serving together, you all are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the function of your gathering is not fellowship with one another, it's fellowship with God. Have you forgotten that God is searching for a home? That God has been displaced again and again and again. That God is the most displaced being in all of existence. He keeps getting put out by his own children. He keeps getting replaced by idols. He keeps getting sent away and banished by the people that he gave his life for, that he sent his son to die for. That God is crying out for home. But he's not looking for a house on a hill. He's looking for a people with an open heart who would gather together and say, God, we gather together for this one purpose, to be your home. You created us to be your temple. Come and dwell. Come and make us your temple. Be pleased to dwell among us. 
And this explains why Jesus was so furious in the temple when he saw the money changers. So furious that he acted a fool. My mother would have said he acted two fools. He took time to make a whip, turned over the tables, and he said, it is written, my father's house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. The problem that Jesus pointed out is that the people of Israel had made the temple their home instead of God's home. And it's the same problem we have today where the people of God make the church my church, our church, instead of God's church. And the only thing on our heart is the kind of church I like and the kind of music I like and the kind of people I like and the kind of experience I like. And I want to find a church experience that is conducive to my desires. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing inherently, ultimately wrong with that. You know, finding a church that you resonate with, that's important. I'm not saying it's not. And secondly, it's not wrong for God to lead you out of a church and lead you to another place. Happens all the time. And so if, if God has led you or is leading you, don't hear this as, you know, me trying to manipulate you back. <laughs> but the primary thing that should be on our hearts when we come to the house of God is God that today you would be pleased to dwell in the midst of us. That the longing of your heart to be at home in the midst of your people. That we would prepare a place for you. And that you would be pleased. As the psalmist said, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. What if we all had that heart before we come into the house of God? Lord, let there be nothing in my heart or mind that would displease you. It's like when you're inviting an honored guest to your house and you prepare the whole house because you want the honored guests to be pleased, to feel welcome. You want the honored guests to feel like we've prepared a place. We're, we're, We're honored at your coming and we want you to feel comfortable to stay. This was Paul's whole point when he said, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that God dwells in you by his spirit? The whole saga of creation and fall and redemption is the story of God being displaced from his home in the garden with his creation. And then God doing everything necessary to find his way back home. And when you get to the back of the book and you read the book of Revelation, what do you see at the very end? You see a multitude gathered before the throne of God. And you you hear a voice come from the throne saying, Behold, The tabernacle of God is with men. That sounds theological. Here's what it literally means. Behold, God's home is with people. And he will be their God. And they will be his people. 
and God himself will live with them and dry every tear from their eyes. And when you read the story of what they call the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 that Jesus told, what's the moral of the whole story? Is there were two lost sons. Why were they lost? Because they had left home. The younger son left home in his body. The older son left home in his heart. And what was the father trying to do? He was trying to bring them into the house. The story is the cry of God to create a dwelling place with us. And this is the point. The younger son began to be in want. And that was the greatest gift that the father could have given him. He lost his wealth. He lost his job. He lost his friends. He lost everything. And he ended up in the pigsty. And it was the best thing that could have happened for him. Why? Because without it, he never would have begun to long for the father's house again. When he lost everything in, in his attempt to create home for himself, it utterly failed. He woke up and said, I will return to my father. And many of you are experiencing displacement in different areas of your life. The loss of home. Some of you are going through a divorce. The loss of home. There's some who have lost a child. The loss of home. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you have lost your homes. You're experiencing this. And many of you have experienced these things in different times in your life. And there's been a question in your heart that says, God, why do I keep getting displaced again and again and again? Why do I keep feeling this sense of estrangement again and again and again? Why does nothing ever seem to work out for me? And the word of the Lord to you is, God is saying, don't worry, I'm leading you home. You're on your way home. You don't realize that I have prepared a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. I've prepared a dwelling place for you where you're going to walk with me and eat with me. And you're going to know me even as I know you. I'm leading you to a deeper place of fellowship and intimacy with me. And everything that happens in your life is just a part of the journey home. The psalmist says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. He speaks this from the place of exile. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. What's the psalmist say? Man, I wish I could get back to the house of God. Those people who get to go there, they're so blessed. But then he says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They will go from strength to strength till each one appears before God in Zion. Translation, I don't get to live there, but I do get to set my heart on pilgrimage. I do get to make a decision that I'm going home. I'm on my way home no matter what it takes. I'm going to find my way home, and I'm going to go from strength to strength until I appear before God in Zion. I'm coming home. I'm on my way home. I'm going to find that place of fellowship with God that I was created for. I'm on my way home. And if you would settle it in your heart that no matter what comes or goes, you're on your way home, that you're going to make your way home no matter what. And when things fall apart in the world, remember that that wasn't your home anyway. He didn't create you for a house on a hill. He can give it to you and he can take it away. It's not your home. He didn't create you for a position in a company, for a role in Babylon to make you an executive of Babylon like Daniel, he can put you there and he can take you out. He can raise you up and he can set you down. But at the end of the day, that's not your home. (laughs) 
O Lord, the psalmist says, you have been our dwelling place. You've been our home. That every heart would cry out, Lord, you're my home. But I live so estranged from you. Would you bring me back? Would you bring me back home? I got to find my way back home. In the entirety of your life, this is the theme of it. You're on your way home. You're on your way home. Every twist and turn brings you to a deeper place of home. But here's the beauty of it. That on the journey, he's given us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is our home away from home. You're on the journey, but God is your companion on the journey. You remember when he put Adam and Eve out of the garden? The next day, what, what did the scripture say? Then God spoke to Adam. Translation, he didn't just put Adam and Eve out of the garden, he left with them. Can you imagine having to put somebody out of your house? Say, that's it, I'm throwing you out. And you throw your kid out because you're acting up, you can't live in my house anymore. You throw the kid out, but then you go out, you follow the kid, you close the door, and you say, okay, let's go. You can't live in my house anymore, but guess what? Neither can I. When God threw out Adam and Eve, he also threw himself out. He said, I'm going with you. And eventually, I'm going to reconcile you to myself. It's going to be a long road back home, but guess what? You'll never be alone because I'm going with you. I'm going with you. God is journeying with us. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, which means that no matter how long the journey takes, God promises to bring you home. He says, I will not leave you. He said to Jacob, I will not leave you until I fulfill all of the promises that I've made towards you. He says, I know you're estranged from home, but I'm going with you. I know you had to leave Canaan, but I'm going with you to Ur of the Chaldees. When Abraham, even when Abraham disobeyed and left the land of Canaan and went to Egypt, God went to Egypt with him. Why? How do we know that? Because God spoke to Pharaoh and said, don't touch that just man's wife. He's, that man is a prophet. If you touch his wife, I'm at to kill all of you. Why is God speaking to Pharaoh in Egypt when Abraham's supposed to be in the promised land? Because God said, even when you're disobedient and you go astray, I'm going to go astray with you and I'm going to follow you astray. Because if God doesn't follow you, even in to the place of disobedience, you'll never find your way back. On my way home. And in the meantime, what does God give us? He gives us the church. He gives us the house of God. The place where we come together every week to be reminded of where our home actually is. That's what this is about. But by and large, we've forgotten the church. We've forgotten the house of God. We see it as a resource that we use here and there and not as our pilgrimage. It's like Daniel standing on his balcony, raising his hands toward Jerusalem three times a day. We can't do it once a week. And the, the Holy Spirit is coming to remind us yeah. that that's what we're doing here. That that's what this is all about. Amen. That's the purpose of our gathering. To be reminded, even if just for a few moments, that 
this world is not your home. That you're strangers and aliens in the world, but you're citizens in the kingdom of God. And that means that no matter how good your situation gets, and some of you are in a great situation, and more power to you. I'm not mad at you. But even if your situation just gets golden and you found the house, even if next month my wife and I sell our house for two plus million dollars and then we miraculously find the place, this is it. We're still never to be fully at home there. We're still constantly to be reminded God's allowed me to be a resident alien. I'm always a foreigner on earth, no matter where I am. I'm always a foreigner. My citizenship is in heaven. And I'm on my way home. Bow your heads and let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, actually, I'm going to ask Pastor Sonny to come up and lead this prayer, and I'm going to ask Pastor Chenway to come, and we're going to sing, Draw Me Close to You. This, you know, this, this worship song is my song. You've got to have a song. You need to have a song, like one worship song that's your go-to. This is my song. Multiple times a week, I go back to it, sometimes multiple times in the same day. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. It's my pilgrimage song. I'm on my way back home to you. Pastor Chinway's going to sing for us. Go ahead. First, we, we, we just arise and just open up your hearts, open up your hands, and just ask the Lord, make your home in me. Make your home in us. God, often we're busy crying out for our breakthroughs, crying out for our own homes. But today you're reminding us that we're on a pilgrimage. And today we have gathered, Lord, to make you a home. When my brothers and sisters are standing next to me, worshiping you, God, and you inhabit our worship, our praises. You're making your home among us. So Holy Spirit, as we sing this, come home. Make home among us. <laughs> 